I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, live from the Vivid Seat Studio. Clothing optional. Thanks for joining us. This is your Pac-12 football podcast. We're number two. The number two podcast in the country. There's, there's one other one out there. Don't worry about them. They go like three hours. No, no, they're really good. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, we are your home for Pac-12 football news. We cover Pac-12 from a gambling perspective, and we're home of the advanced college football statistical model, beta rank. And I am joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Bowen. Max is out showering his enemies with the money that he made picking Oregon State over Arizona. So he is out for the week, and it is Rob and I taking care of business here. What is going on, Rob? Well, the model had a great week, uh, almost 62%, 61.7% against the spread last week. Um, so, yeah, I'm having a good week. It was uh, I, I had a lot of fun interactions with folks on Twitter and on Reddit over the last week on uh, on college football. You can follow us on Twitter, by the way, at 12 Pack Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast for free. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And, uh, and wh- you mentioned, Rob, you have two Twitter accounts. Where are you at? Uh, I am at... Beta rank FB, and I am also at uh, Sharp College Football. It was an interesting week, by the way. Uh, only four games, but I felt like overall it was a uh, it, it was a real separation of the teams. I think we know who's going to be in the college uh, the Pac-12 championship: Utah and Oregon. Uh, I, I had initially thought it was going to be Washington and Utah because I wasn't as big of a fan of the Oregon coaching staff, and there was some young talent there. But they continue to get it done. Like that—that's a big takeaway I had for this. They like I realized that USC was injured. I realized Clay Helton is Clay Helton. <laughs> we'll get to that, I promise, uh, on on the podcast. But at the end of the day, Oregon continues to cruise and and win the games that they need to, and the, and did this one in a impressive fashion, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think if you're if you're a USC fan, I would also check the box score. It's uh, from a yards perspective, it wasn't terrible. I mean, Slovis had three interceptions. That <laughs> that that really helped uh, Oregon pile on the points. But yeah, there's the, the Oregon really, you know, uh, put it on the gas, put on the gas on offense in that game, uh, and I think really did enough to confuse Slovis on defense uh, in that game. And, and Utah, of course, I mean, just after starting really slow and, and giving me a bit of a worry on, on, on picking them to win that game, they really turned it on um, and, and ground out against a, a Washington team that I think is still has some growth to do on the road. You know, it was interesting. One of our listeners had sent over the record of Chris Peterson coming off of a bye, And it's like, 12 and 0 against the spread or something just really impressive. I think I think it was like 12 like, I think the number was like 18 and 0. 
or something along those lines. Yeah, something, something where, where after he said that to me, I went, uh oh, because <laughs> I took, I put some money on Utah in that game. I just thought Utah was the better team. I think Washington still has some work to do in regards to, look, they have a young team. And it, I feel bad if you're a Washington fan, they have played well basically in every big game that they've lost. I mean, minus the Cal game. But again, that was at one in the morning and the lightning strikes and all the delays and stuff. But they played Oregon close. They played Utah close. And both those teams are really good. I mean, uh, I think one of the things that I'm hoping is – and it probably won't happen looking at a national landscape. We don't normally do this, but you have about six teams that are in the mix for the college football playoff. And then a PAC 12 team is like the seventh. And um, there, there's going to be a lot of luck that we're going to need to have for a couple more teams. Obviously Oklahoma losing was a big deal last week against Kansas state, but I think there's going to be a few more losses that need to happen for the PAC 12 to get into that conversation, which is a bummer because I really do think Utah and Oregon have uh, the talent to at least break through uh, the, the top four, for I don't know if they would actually win the national college you know football championship, but at least uh, at least they have the talent to compete uh, at least in that first game round. Yeah, I, I, I think you'll, if you look at it, if you're a Pac-12 fan and you're you're hoping to get a team in the playoff, it's it's really critical that Oklahoma lose another game um, because I don't. I mean, Ohio State at this point, um, they're not necessarily a mortal lock, um, given that they have some tough games left on their schedule, but uh, they are playing as well as anyone in the country and more right now. Um, you aren't have to the, look at, wait, aren't they like the best team that you've had in a long time? at they, Bader uh, they, So currently, I mean, it's not a full season worth of data. So um, there's like, I, I still do expect them to come down, like, you know, come back to earth a little bit, but right now, you know, on, on the you note, know, I think we've got 10 games in them for, or, or nine games in for them right now. Uh, they're the highest ranked team I've ever had in beta rank. Um, and they are, and they've played some. They've played some teams. I mean, this isn't like. I mean, if you want to, if you want to point fingers at like a, a current, a currently highly ranked team that hasn't played anybody, it's Bama. Um, but like Ohio State, like they're they're head and shoulders. They're they're almost a ten point favorite, I think, over the number two team LSU on a neutral field right now uh, in Beta Rank. Like it's it's impressive. Now I. I mean, I would expect like if 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 you asked me if I was going to bet dollars on it, I would probably take three or four points off that. But um, I would expect Vegas would make them, you know, a, a, you know, a close to close to a seven point favorite over anybody. The well, let's start with the Utah Washington. Let's see. What, what, I should throw this to you. Uh, any other bigger picture um, takeaways from the, you know, the last Bruins, week? the mighty Bruins from Westwood, are, <laughs> are alive and well. Uh, that, I mean, that's sort of it. Like, I mean, I think what's sort of interesting is some teams that, uh, a lot of people, I mean, if, if I think a lot of PAC 12 fans don't pay a lot of attention to Oregon state and what's going on there. We do. And we, we had really talked up the, the Beaver offense. Um, and, and they really delivered on the road, um, against a pretty bad Arizona defense, uh, with a new defensive coordinator. Um, and, uh, you know, Oregon state's you know, they have a shot to get to a bowl this season. That's really amazing um, from where Jonathan Smith picked up this program at. UCLA has made some sneaky improvements, uh, I think. And and, uh, and I, I I may end up eating my hat on this one because it's actually been on defense. Their defense has really improved um, over the last couple of weeks. We'll see if that holds up. But um, as it is right now, their defense is down into the 40s. They're at number 44 in beta rank. And wow. I, mean, I had I had to do a double take <laughs> on that. It was a bit of a spit take. Like, wait, what? Um, but they've really improved. And I think that you can, 
I mean, uh, like I thought, I thought the, I thought people were early on, you know, the Chip Kelly hype after last season, but this season they really do look like a team that's kind of putting it together a bit, and it it, it actually makes me want to go look and like fully do a full roster look and see who's going to graduate off this team. Yeah, Joshua Kelly's healthy, ran in for another hundred yards. Now, granted, against Colorado's defense, but if there was a strength, if you want to, I'm, I'm using air quotes here with strength with Colorado's defense, it's the run, it's the run defense there, and uh, for him to be yeah. able to put up another triple digit game. Uh, let's talk about that game actually. So UCLA 31, Colorado 14. Uh, Dorian Thompson. Robinson went 21 for 28, had two touchdowns and an interception. And I think the bigger story was, like you mentioned, Rob, is the fact that uh, UCLA's defense has stepped up. I I liked Colorado. I had money on Colorado because I thought Steven Montez and that wide receiving core would be able to uh, just put enough pressure on UCLA to cover a seven-point spread. And now, granted, they were able to move the ball a, a decent amount. They missed two field goals in the beginning of the uh, in the first quarter. They got to the 10-yard line, and then they missed another field goal. Um, and at first I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, yeah, UCLA scoring, but we kind of expected them to score, but Colorado is going to put it together and they never did 14 points that entire game. And just really <laughs> like, I think, I think some of that is on Montez because, uh, th- this was a, this was a Jekyll and Hyde, Steven Montez, 21 for 38, a touchdown to pick the whole game. But like you said, um, really changing up the way that they they are able to cover the pass. And I think this was, look, is Colorado's offense the best in the world? No, but they did have a pretty a pretty prolific passing attack. And uh, just to yeah. hold them to that is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they held Colorado to under 300 yards for the whole game, you know, 283 yards. And uh, Montez only put up 195 and wasn't that far above 50% on his completion percentage. Um, I mean, I felt pretty dumb about this because I thought I thought Baderank was crazy when it had this the, when it had UCLA. The game opened at I think five and a half, and Baderank had it at nine and a half ish for the Bruins. <laughs> Shows what I know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was like I, I I'm impressed. Like I, I was impressed with what they've been able to come up with because their their run defense has actually gotten better as the season goes on as the, the Bruins have. And that was really the strength. I mean, the only strength of the defense coming into the early season, um, they started to figure some things out and covering the pass. And I think that bodes really well. I mean, there's a huge difference. I mean, I would not have expected this at all in this game, but just on the yards per per pass, I mean, Colorado at 5.1 and UCLA at 8.1. Like, I would not have guessed that at all coming into this game. And Yeah, and, and Thompson Robinson, you know, made, made a mistake, but uh, was – Look, I'm I'm never going to be a big Dorian Thompson Robinson fan, but he did exactly what he needed to do to win that game. Particularly now that they can run the ball again, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was impressive. One of the things that I really did want to talk about was Utah's run defense. Uh, Salvan Ahmed, 14 for 50. Uh, they held Washington to 73 yards on the ground, and uh, which which is okay. Um, I think it's really impressive for Utah, but I think it's more important because Jacob Eason was forced to win that game through the air and, and did not, did not do that one bit. No, I mean, like we, we had talked about where they graded out, the youths graded out in beta rank. And I think they're number one against the run in an effective rush on defense, uh, coming in, uh, coming out of that game against Washington. Um, they're an excellent, excellent run defense and it all starts up front. Um, their front four helps keep their linebackers clean. Um, you know, they're disruptive in their own right. Washington, 
you know, they, they returned a lot on the offensive line coming into this season. And we talked about that. Um, you know, they were, they were sort of sneaky right behind Oregon with the, you know, so much returning production, they were really going to have to have a good game against this Utah defensive line and, and Utah's defensive line, you know, really eventually turned it on, uh, in this game and they, they held them in check. And I, if you're a Washington fan, I mean, I, I, I think this team is building towards next season. I mean, there's some inconsistency. Washington sort of up and down. I mean, that's that Stanford loss was really bad. They've also had some good games. They've had some, you know, they've had some games like that USC game, I would say, like where they got a little bit of away with one USC at three turnovers. Um, but they're, you, you like what they have, but if you're Washington, like you might have to start rotating in some young guys on the offensive line to get them some more experience because you really are building towards next season. Um where Easton's going to come back and this defense is there. So I, 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 there, I, I have, I follow, I, <laughs> I see a lot of Husky Twitter. I know there is a lot of despondency after losing to this Utah team at home. This is a really good Utah team. Um, that had a lot of experience coming back into this season and this was a rebuilding year for Washington. So, I mean, keep your heads up, you know, like th- there's a lot still to like, I think for Washington. I mean, and they had, a, they had a putting up 28 points against this Utah defense is, it's not enough to win this game, but it's you know nothing to hang your head about. I'd say that last seven points, though. <laughs> that yeah, was kinda, that, you last know. Seven, that last seven points made me really mad because, man, I, like, I beta rank had it at 13 and a half for the Utes. And everyone's like, that's crazy, blah, blah, blah. Then I was like, man, Utah's just going to go into prevent, aren't they? Just like burn, burn clock, give up a touchdown. <laughs> and they still almost stopped them. Uh, so my dad and I took Utah, uh, and it had some money on the game and I looked at him and it was the, it was the last score that Washington had and, or that, that Utah had Utah was on like the 10 and Tyler Huntley. Oh yeah. So it was like the, the 10 yard line. And I look at my dad and I said, they're going to run the ball three times. And if they're not going to get it, they're going to kick a field goal and we're going to lose. <laughs> we're going to lose to the spread. Uh, and fortunately Huntley got it on that last run in. And I, I was curious. Well, first thing is on Washington's offensive line. Uh, I'm, I'm with you, but I thought they did a really good job in the first three quarters and uh, first, yes. you know, and about the halfway through the third quarter, Utah's defense defensive line just started wearing on him. And that was when Easton started running around and they got a couple sacks and we're just able to put pressure. But for the first half of that game, I was just going, man, that, that's really impressive to hold that, uh, that defensive line and uh, this front seven in check. And they did, but yeah, over time, it just <laughs> like, that's what happens when, when you face the monstrosity that is the, uh, the Utah front seven. Um, but my question well, for you- and they, and the Huskies dominated on the other side of the ball too. I mean, the Huskies really won the game in the trend. Trenches yeah for i mean really the first half and then i mean you're right like part of the third quarter but then uh utah really turned it on i utah kyle whittingham and his staff make really good adjustments they they did it or you know early in the season in the byu game when byu is beating them with dink and dunk passes um and they did it in this game too to to adjust to what um washington was doing but you're right like they also just ground them down like physically um, this was, this is, this is a great performance for, you know, Utah, Utah's a great rushing team. They only put up 115 yards rushing in this game. Yes. Um, and, and two fumbles uh, though. I mean, I think that was, yeah. yeah. But Tyler Huntley, I mean, who has been, <laughs> he's, he's been maligned around the conference. I don't know if anyone has maligned him as much as Washington fans did. Um, <laughs> 
mean, after, I mean, particularly like after seeing last season and a lot of Washington fans, like sort of like, I mean, not maybe as much as Oregon fans went after the Andy Ludwig hire, but I mean, it really worked in this game. Huntley was fantastic in this game and, and really won the game. I mean, he had people have said for a long time that Huntley can't throw that get the ball down the field. He had, you know, 11.8 per throw. That's great. Um, 19 to 24. I mean, just just a real solid game from Tyler Huntley distributing the football around, and the youths just they look like a different team. Um, I, and I was I, mean, I was happy. Like the, Utah has been building up for this season for a while, you know. Like um, you know, last year with those two losses to Washington, you know, I was I was happy for the youths and that like you know it feels like a special season for them and it gets to keep going and we get to see them you know hopefully play Oregon I think in, and, the, in the Pac-12 championship yeah and Utah fans love them some Tyler Huntley and they should you know it, yeah. it's interesting because his stat line is basically the same I mean the the 19 for 24 for 250 I mean he had 284 but it's around 250 yards around two touchdowns and maybe a pick and it's like it's basically the same numbers every single week and if you're a Utah fan that's what you want I mean he's been consistent right. he's throwing the ball down the field they're opening up their offense and um and that gives zach moss and company enough to be able to get it done on the ground as well and rob i want to get to the oregon usc game but before i do that uh we have a lot of games coming up that are pretty exciting wazoo cal sneaky fun game uh sneaky fun game washington oregon state which i'm really excited about usc asu stanford colorado if you're gonna go to a game this coming week and you need tickets uh, check out the vivid seats app which is excellent i used it when i went to arizona and to get my ticket for the arizona washington game and uh their app is really good you can sort by the, the source of your tickets you can sort by row you basically anything you need they have and they also have a loyalty program so and it will automatically enroll you if you download the app um and use the promo code overtime you're going to save up to $100 on your first ticket purchase uh, for your first time uh, customers. They have a 100% buyer guarantee. Every ticket is backed up. Uh, go to the Google Play or App Store, anywhere you go, uh, enroll in their loyalty program, which they automatically put you in once you purchase the ticket, and um, use the promo code overtime to get more than $100, up to $100 off on your ticket purchase. And I thought the Oregon USC game, uh, Rob, was kind of similar to the Utah Washington game, although, albeit not as close. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but U- uh, USC came out with that 10 0 lead um, and really started punching Oregon in the mouth. And I was, uh, I actually took USC. I thought, well, they play well at home. I know they're a little banged up, but I'm getting seven points. Um, and that 10 0 run, I'm like, oh, I'm, I might just have to rest on my laurels today. Uh, but no, Oregon's just became Oregon and they really tore it up. They, I, I love the fact that we had an emergence of Juwan Johnson, seven catches, 106 yards, three touchdowns. And, uh, Justin Herbert just continues to get it done 21 for 26. I thought they had him out there a little too long. <laughs> it was like yeah. the middle of the fourth quarter. I'm like, what in God's name? is he doing out there uh get him off of the field and they did uh, they did in the next uh series but um man i mean he's just doing everything he needs to uh and uh, oregon dropped a 56 burger on a usc defense yeah i mean some some of that's turnover aided you yeah. know slovis had three interceptions that i mean that definitely hurts oh and that pick uh, six like holy oh, my goodness yeah <laughs> um but us i mean usc just they looked I mean, the, Oregon figured out how to control their wide receivers. I mean, like there's I mean, Slovis threw the ball 57 times and he only averaged 4.6. I mean, they didn't have a lot of big plays. Oregon really was able to control USC's. I mean, you know, really, NF, you know, some of these, a lot of these guys are going to play on Sunday. Um, NFL caliber wide receiver and core um, without having I mean, 
it was more you could see Oregon doesn't quite have the defensive line talent that Utah does. Um, they did do a uh, they did get more cover they did get more, some more coverage pressure on Slovis I think um, than often just straight up pressure. But um, yeah, I mean a really dominant performance by the Ducks overall. I mean the, the score has also helped. I mean anytime you get a kick return that that's free money. <laughs> kick return touchdowns are free money. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, great, great performance for the Ducks, and it, like, it, it, this again, like, the conference almost needed this to happen. USC would really have no business playing in Santa Clara. Like, it's, it's, it's for the good of the conference that <laughs> the Ducks. The duck, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, USC fans, but like, it was an uh, honor killing. We have had, I mean, but like, I mean, there, how many times has somebody had to take one? Like, oh no, it's better for the conference if USC is good. Like, it's better for the conference to have Oregon and Utah, you know, uh, setting a date in Santa Clara. So, um, the ducks taking care of business is good, but if you're, I mean, USC, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, Clay Helton's done. Yeah. Right? Let's like go that, there. This is it. Um, I, I don't think that there's, I, I mean, there's not even much to dwell on. Like it's just been bad. Um, I, like I would say, if you were going to say one thing in Clay Helton's defense, it's that, we knew these two years were going to be rough because last year, almost the whole offense left <laughs> this year, almost the whole defense left. Um, but even with that, they've been worse than expected. Um, what's interesting though, is whomever USC gets is now going to get a team that mostly has guys with remaining eligibility and experience and a solid quarterback. Yeah. Uh, two. And- a secondary that's yeah, a secondary that's stacked with sta- five star players that have really shown some big playability. They, uh, I think, there's been games when that secondary has been really strong, and games where it certainly hasn't. <laughs> they have that big, I mean, big young, freshman up and down. Yeah, 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 they have the big freshman on the defensive line. Um, yeah, you know, w- one of the things that I was. Uh, I kind of, I mean, I, I feel kind of bad for Helton. He's had enough excuses. I think he needs to to be replaced with somebody else, particularly at USC, which should be a premier program in the Pac-12. When you look at those, some of the injuries that this program has had, which seems to be a story every single year, um, uh, and and it's different because, yeah, every team has injuries and recruiting yeah. for depth is really important with that said they're on their fourth string quarterback and their, their third string quarterback and their fourth string running back <laughs> and you just go wow they still have some talent there i mean like keaton slovis is really solid um right. and one of the things that i was really curious to hear your thoughts on is uh keenan Kristen, who is very 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 fast this is their fourth yeah, string running back ter- he's terrifyingly fast <laughs> it's like, like i i look at him and i just think well, and I'm, like, I, I do think that this USC, I, I mean, I think one of the best things that could happen to USC with a with the change is that Clay Helton does not seem to be able to hire hire a decent offensive line coach. Um, and I think that getting a, a solid, well-coached offensive line in front of, you know, Kristen is just do it. Like, I, I want to see it because, you know, this kid has crazy talent. Um, but I also don't know if Graham Harrell's the right guy to 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 make those play calls like uh, th- this offense has been extremely pass heavy and um it's where they're most efficient i mean some of it's some of that's on the line but um i do think that uh i th- i do think that usc could can i mean the air raid can work you can absolutely put up points with it um and it could work at usc but i do think that harrell is a little less flexible than say kingsbury would have been in in, in working in more of the rushing game um this season so I don't know. I mean, 
there's there's so much like you look across the roster and there's some things where you're like eh, like they're not as deep there as you'd like but you still come away thinking like every team in the Pac-12 would trade rosters with USC in a heartbeat. Well, I totally agree on the difference between Harrell and Kingsbury, but I'd also add the one caveat of uh, Kristen's young. And yeah. if he if he gets like nicked a, like for a minute he falls like he he is not powering through contact I don't think it's he's true. quite there he doesn't yet. Have great contact balance. Yeah, and you could tell like that's why he was the fourth string running back. You know, yeah. this is somebody that had a tremendous amount of talent, but needed to beef up and needed to get a, a few more skills in his pocket before he becomes the premier back. So um, I, I'm just I guess I'm 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 putting a pin in that grenade because I'm really really excited to watch him play in the coming years once he he bulks up he gets some pass blocking skills. And, and he's able to kind of power through uh, that initial contact that you kind of see him fall down every time. But holy Moses, when he's gone, he is gone. It's really, gone. really fun to watch. You're no one's got no, no one. Because you hear so many guys like, oh, that guy has track speed. Like he's a track star, that kind of thing. And then you see him on the football field and they, they get caught from behind. Right. Like, yeah, not with him. Like no. he is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just if he if there's if there is daylight and the safety is out of position, he's gone. Um, yeah, he's 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 fun to watch. Uh, I'm interested. I mean, because USC just hired an athletic director, the guy from Cincinnati. Um, I think that uh, I mean, and you could say this also about the the Pete Carroll hire. I mean, like going back, like even to Pete Carroll, USC has mostly hired guys that nobody else was really looking to hire for a job that big. Um, now it worked out with Pete Carroll 110%, but like Lane Kiffin, no one was going to hire Lane Kiffin from Tennessee. Like, you know, Alabama wasn't going to come knocking for Sark at Washington and no one would have hired Clay Helton. <laughs> so <laughs> I, mean, I just, I feel like they, I feel like they need to have like a real honest to goodness coaching surge because it just feels like they look at guys like oh yeah like this guy worked here once well and you saw florida state get the head start by firing willie taggart which oh lord Ooh. almighty oregon fans went nuts when that happened <laughs> but, you know you know fsu is actually paying they're paying um so oregon they, they picked up the tab for paying oregon's buyout from south florida so FSU is paying like I think like three buyouts for Willie Taggart. Like oh they're paying gosh. the FSU buyout, they're paying the buyout to get him out of his Oregon contract, and they picked up the tab to buy him out of Oregon's buyout from South Florida. God. College football's so stupid. Like <laughs> it's so much money. And we're like, no, 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 we cannot pay the players. <laughs> their likeness. We gotta think about getting paying them for their likeness and the in the within what they call it, within the spirit of the amateurism or whatever right. they call it. <laughs> Like get out of my face. But I get that. I mean, I like I there are a lot of fans, fan bases, and you and I are part of one of them where folks are frustrated with the second year coach. Um I think with the Willie Taggart hire it made sense. Like, you know, FSU has a ton of talent on that roster. That's not to say they don't have holes, but they have a ton of talent. And the ACC is god awful. Um they actually in beta rank right now. Per, for their average, the ACC grades out worse than the American Conference. They are oh. the worst Power Five conference and worse than one of the Group of Five conferences. <laughs> they're, they're the Pac-12 basketball of uh, yeah. football conferences. So, <laughs> I, I mean, like to be as bad as Florida State has been with that much talent in a horrendous conference, I, I get firing Willie Taggart. And if you've got the money, you know, like 
uh, I guess, do it. You know, like, I mean, they're certainly getting paid by Texas A&M for the Jimbo Fisher buyout. Well, speaking of uh, disgruntled fan bases that are frustrated with their coach in the second year, let's talk about Oregon State 56, Arizona 38. And this game was not as close as the score indicates. A lot of that uh, scoring came in the second half when Grant Gannell came back in. And uh, we have a full-blown quarterback controversy now. And uh, it might be solved already, Rob. Yeah. I mean, if you're um, – and we've had him on when we did – some that we did the Arizona preview for Pac, or 12 pack radio. We had uh, Michael Lev on from the Arizona star. Who's uh, the beat writer for Arizona and does a really great job. Um, he, uh, he had talked about, you know, like bringing Gunnell in and the Tate hadn't been that bad, you know, but he really felt like it was time to go with Gunnell. And I kind of said that, you know, truthfully, like if you're Arizona, like every rep you have for the rest of the season, isn't a 2019 rep. It's a 2020 rep. Yeah. I mean that's that, that's where you are with this team. There's there's a lot of there's a lot coming back on defense for Arizona. Now that may not be great, but returning production is usually a positive thing to have. There's a lot coming back on offense, just not at quarterback. So Arizona's got it. Like it's the reason Gannell. I think some Arizona fans, you know, thought like the real right thing to do with Gannell is to redshirt him this year and then really have him for four years. But the way the roster is maturing, they need him next year. And you got to get him some experience. He was not going to redshirt this year. You're not going to redshirt him. You got to play him. Um, and I think this Oregon State game, like, just sort of sealed the deal. I would, ex- I would expect Canal to maybe start. Like, he played the majority of the snaps. So, and we're, and we're going to talk Oregon State because, and we, but we've talked about Oregon State a lot on this podcast, and we, we actually purposely try not to talk about Arizona as much, um, just because we were both uh, alums of the the uh, that university. Um, but I do want to talk about Tate and just the fall that he's seen. Because if you yeah. were to tell anybody where he would be now after what we saw in the Rich Rodriguez uh, system, where you know, granted there wasn't a lot of tape on him, um, people didn't realize his flaws at that point. He was just blowing by them by the time they were trying to figure out what the, what the problem was. Um, but if you were to tell most fans like, Hey, Khalil Tate's going to be probably passed up by a, a true freshman. Um, it, 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 was, it was interesting because people ask me like, what, what on earth happened to Tate? And I, I think it's two things. I think the first is teams figured, figured him out. Um, you know, they realized that they could put some pressure on him and that they can rattle him and make him make dumb mistakes. But I also think that it, I think it's by choice and, and, um, the, the fact that he, does not want to run. Cause if you take a look at some of the quarterbacks that, um, have been developed under Kevin Sumlin and even Noel Mazzoni, um, it's not like they can't play with a dual threat quarterback. They've done that before. Um, yeah. In a couple places. Yeah. And, 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 and quite well, like be a Brent Hunley, obviously Johnny Manziel. Um, and so it's not like they don't know how to use those quarterbacks. Uh, it, it, it it just seems as if he made the decision that I am not going to run. I'm going to be a throwing quarterback and I'm not going to incorporate this part into my game. Um, and that, and that showed, and now he's starting to run a little bit more that that switched over time. But I think, I think he just got caught in his own head where like, I don't think he knows what he wants to do. Um, and you see that like when he's running out yeah. of bounds for a, for a seven yard loss rather than throw the ball away, it's just, or just not making more than one read. Um, you can just tell that he doesn't, he doesn't really handle the position as well as, as he should. Um, and, and that's where we are. Is that a accurate description of where Tate's been? We just get yeah. that question a lot. So I figured I'd at least answer it on the pod. So I, I think, I mean, I, I think if you asked last year, what was wrong with Khalil Tate? Um, I'm not, 
I, I don't necessarily have a great answer for last year when he wasn't hurt and he was hurt like 90% of the season. So like that BYU game didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, and even some of that Arizona state game where he was a little more healthy, didn't make a lot of sense to me, but this season, when you see, see Tate, he's even different than last year and his instincts just seem broken. Like there's no other way to put it. <laughs> so I mean, these are this, these are counting in sack numbers, but Gunnell ran the ball seven times for 17 yards. Khalil Tate ran the ball seven times for three yards. I mean, if you put these two in a foot race, like the only way Grant Gunnell is winning is if Khalil Tate like completely tears a hamstring. <laughs> but the difference between the two was, I mean, Tate now, if you have pressure on him, uh, he goes east-west. You know, he you, and you see this like he tries to roll out. He ducks, he spins and he head towards he heads towards the sideline. Yep. Right. Yes. And continues to look for, you know, men down the field instead of like what Gunnell was doing. I mean, he was just planting and getting north and south, um, you know, and, and he had a couple, I mean, <laughs> lumbering, decent. I mean, Nick Foles esque runs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just. Uh, you know, you're just like, oh man, somebody's going to get him. He should eventually go down. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Herbert did that in the Oregon USC game. I'm like, oh my god, he, he ran for ten yards. Good for him. Didn't know he could do that. Um, but Tate's also, I mean, he's just taking too long to process, right? Like he's not processing. Uh, he's not processing his reads, right? Like, and he had a very um, simple set of reads in the Rich Rodriguez offense, like the Rich Rod offense when it was rolling and he was running the ball effectively really opened things up for him where he could make some simple reads because the defense was so focused on what was going on in the backfield. Um, it, he's, he's, he's had, he struggled where he has to make the initial read. He holds the ball too long, waiting for someone to definitely come open. Um, you know, and he, it's just, it's not working. I mean, the, Lev had a really good point in this and this is true. I mean, the, uh, Rashid was released Arizona on an RPO. The base, the, the RPO is basically to read Rashid. They left him unblocked. Um, and Tate, when he had that pressure, you're talking they, about, they, by they, the way, talking about Hamilcar Rashid, like the, yeah. the just destroyer and eater of worlds. It's <laughs> yes. a place in, in the front seven there at Oregon the, state. The enemy of offenses everywhere. Um, he is, uh, Arizona released him you know, unblocked and then also released out their back on, uh, you know, to that, I mean, that was the play, right? Like you release Rashid, then you release the back out of the backfield, like Rashid's unblocked, but you just, you know, you, you swing the ball out to the back and he takes off with it. Well, Tate didn't make the throw. He ducked under and ran, you know, and tried to run towards the sideline and it didn't work. They did the same thing in the second half and Gunnell just dumped the ball off to Taylor and he was gone for like 25 yards. Um, you know, like Mazzoni came back to the play because he knew it would work and he knew Tate hadn't executed it properly. And it did work um, against the defense. And I, I, I like Arizona has I mean, this game, they had they had a patchwork offensive line. They had they had an injury and then they had two offensive linemen get injured on the same play um, to begin with. But I mean, the line play, Arizona was in trouble all game, I think, behind the offensive line. Gunnell had a pretty good game. I mean, he had a real good game, actually, for, I mean, against a bad defense. But um, we should also talk. I mean, that Oregon State offense, 
there were there were some run plays where Arizona was getting blocked five six yards down the field. I mean, their offensive line blew Arizona's defensive line off the ball. Um, you know, they put up a hundred two hundred forty four yards rushing. I mean, that's counting sacks by Luton on Luton. Um, and Luton had a heck of a game. I mean, just a, an amazing offensive game. But, I mean, Arizona, like, I think, sorry to go back real quick because I had forgotten to mention this. A lot of Arizona fans, I mean, were you, were you expecting anything? To, I wasn't expecting all that much out of Cecil um, with really, like, five days to prepare for this game. They're, they weren't going to change much up, um, you know. Not with this know. offense. I mean, like, it, it, Oregon State's offense is one of the better offenses in the country. Like, they are <laughs> quite good. I was running the Wildcat Radio Twitter feed. I was trying to like tell Arizona fans because they're like giving up 56 points at home to Oregon State. They're a doormat. That should never be acceptable. I'm like, you might be lucky they only put up 56. Like, you literally a- saw Isaiah, Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> that guy is awesome. Like, Jake, <laughs> so here, here's a here's a question for you. Do you think Jake Luton gets a look in the NFL? Um, because he, like, I, he's got the tools, he's I, the tools. I could see somebody taking a late round flyer. He's, he's going to get a camp invite for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's got the height. Um, his accuracy is significantly better now. He's not throwing picks. I think he has two picks on the year. I have to go back and look at that. But, um, like, I don't know. I don't know beans about like what, what makes a good NFL quarterback, except for like, you know, the really, really <laughs> rudimentary stuff. Um, but he's had himself a heck of a year and, and a really quiet year. Uh, I, I just wish he would get more attention because the, the fact that he's just slinging that ball around, um, uh, and the wide receiving core is okay for Oregon state. It's just really Isaiah Hodgins. And then, and then the, yeah. uh, the tight end they have, I think it's Noah, uh, Toga, Toga, I think it's, I mean, anyway, um, they, but like, between that and between Artavius Pierce and welcome back, by the way, to Jamar Jefferson. I know he played a little bit last week, but 22 carries, 105 yards, three yeah. touchdowns like that. When they got those two backs going and they have Luton and they have some some pass catchers like um, I'm really excited for that game against Washington. Yeah, I mean, this Oregon State team, if they had any kind of defense, uh, they'd be a conference dark horse and they nobody would want to play them. Um, I mean, their, their, their offense is good enough right now that you might not want to play them anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if they had any kind of defense, like Luton would be getting like conference, you know, like, you know, potentially making like the all pack 12 team, you know, first team ahead of Herbert or Gordon, because he's at, he's having himself a whale of a year, uh, in this offense and they don't get, I mean, their defense is so bad, um, that this offense often gets stuck with, I mean, horrendous field position to work with, and they still put up great points. I mean, they're, they're, they're back up to number five in beta rank after this week. Um, and they dropped Arizona's defense, like, uh, like a rock, like the Arizona's defense is down to 93 Ooh, after, buddy. after this game. <laughs> yeah, so, they were up in like the fifties, I think. Yeah. At one point, I mean, it's been teams have sort of figured out what they were doing to try to mask how bad the defensive line, uh, really has been. Uh, and it, uh, Arizona, I don't know. I don't know that there are that many more adjustments that you can really do to make up for the fact that you do, you have a non-functional defensive line. So, <laughs> well, let's let's start picking some of these games before we do. Uh, college football is in its home stretch, and college basketball has already started up. We got the NBA seasons here. The NFL is rolling. If you haven't gotten in on the action, now is the time. Check out the latest from our friends at MyBookie.ag, a longtime sponsor of this podcast. It's a book that I use. I'm a big fan of them. Uh, 
Um, they have basically you can bet on anything. They got NFL lines, NBA lines, NHL lines. We're going to go through all the Pac-12 lines. Um, they got the traditional spreads and totals, quarters and halves, periods on the ice. You name it, they are there. It is the best time to get on the action. Sign up for mybookie.ag right now and use the promo code overtime. If you haven't done this yet, take advantage. They are giving out free money. Um, they are matching your first deposit. Again, the promo code overtime, mybookie.ag. They will match your first deposit there. Um, mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. And and really do it like uh, ch- check it out like even if you want to throw just a little bit on there just to make sure but no we we, uh, we put a significant amount in there and ended up getting uh, getting that doubled so uh, definitely take advantage of that if you haven't used their book yet and with that let's get into our picks hey um can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here is William Shatner you want it Pac-12 gambling lines you got it nice you want it baby. Okay. All right, all right. We are back. Only four games this week. But, Rob, I think every one of these games is super, super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. This this is a a kind of a sneaky, fun week because um, most of the rest of the country actually has, like last week it was, you know, the Pac-12 had far and away the best two games, I think, other than that Georgia-Florida game. There's a bunch of really good games this week that I think are going to draw a lot of national attention. But the Pac-12 has a bunch of sneaky games under the radar, uh, even with Utah and Oregon taking the week off. Yeah, let's start with 1230 on ABC, so national game USC. It's a one-and-a-half-point underdog on the road at ASU. ASU, of course, had the week off um, to figure out how in, how in God's name they're going to get their act together. Um, and I think they will in this game. I actually – I, I I like ASU. I think that um, they certainly have some struggles. Jaden Daniels um, is doing what he can with that offensive line. Uh, but USC coming off just a rough loss. Now they got to go on the road to Tempe. And I'm curious, Rob, what, what do the numbers say here? So Beta Ranks got this as with the home field advantage for Arizona State. They've got USC at just a slight favorite at, at like a, a little less than a point. Um, and, and the game, you know, USC's got 55% win probability, so nearly a toss-up. Um, but USC comes in at number 38. Arizona State comes in at 47. So that, that home field advantage sort of does sort of true this up a little bit. But um, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, the, the offense for USC comes in at 32 um, ASU's defense has, is reeling a little bit there. They were looking you know, great early in the season as more data has come in. They've really sort of struggled. They're down at 51, um, from sort of their early lofty positioning. Um, and it's, this isn't necessarily a great matchup for this ASU defense. This ASU defense is number 45 an effective rush. Um, USC doesn't really try to run the ball all that much. They're at number 91 there. Um, USC is number 14 in effective pass and ASU is number 72 there. So oh, yeah. a bit of an advantage for they're going to ASU is going to have to find a way to get their pass rush home and, and put pressure on Slovis. Um, I don't know if I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that it's a great set of matchup for this uh, the Sun Devil secondary no, I can I can see it. Actually, that's that's a really good point because you know as as good as Eno Benjamin is, they've I, most teams have kept him in check all year. Um, I think they've kind of the books out on on how to keep him contained, and 
and I really think USC will definitely do that. I mean, their front seven is still really nasty. I know that they've had some injuries there, um, but I think they're going to be able to stop that run. Um, and then I forgot ASU secondary is so bad. You know, they, they came out so hot in the beginning of the year and then really yeah. just started slipping. And um, yeah, Slovis and those three wide receivers. Ooh, buddy. Um, I, I guess I guess one of the X factors here is whether or not USC's offensive line um, is going to be able to protect Slovis, like you mentioned, and they are just so hit and miss. I, I love listening to uh, the Raina Troy podcast because I think they have a, a Alicia um, and Michael have a really good handle on um, the pulse of the things that are really important. And normally that's, those are the big uglies in the trenches. So they, they just yeah. are not big fans of USC's offensive line. So, um, I think the pressure that ASU can put on, on Slovis is really going to matter. Um, flipping it on the other side though, um, you know, I, 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 I got to go back and look at the injury report still with USC. It's really hard to bet on SC games right now because, um, it's, it's just a play? yeah who's gonna play and it's just a rotating list of names over and over again um but you know what is what is their secondary ranking here and how, how do they hold up against uh, asu's offense so usc struggling on defense right now they're at number 58 um you know and we talked about like they were going to be breaking in a lot of young guys this season they've also had injuries on top of that um they are where they really struggle more than anything is they're at 111 in negative drives. They just don't force enough three and outs. They don't force turnovers. They don't create negative plays that really put the offense in a hole. Um, they're at number 73 in effective rush. They're at number 53 in effective pass. So, I mean, some of that pass rush does help them out there. Um, you know, they, they do, I do like their secondary, um, you know, more than certainly more than I, I like what they're doing up the middle, I suppose. Um, ASU, they're down to 53 on offense. Like they've, they've kind of been hovering around this. They're, 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 they really struggle at drive efficiency. They're at number 103 at drive efficiency. So this ASU offense, like they're pretty much going to get a big play because um, they're at number 42 in explosive drives, but they don't chain, they don't chain plays together to put together drives to get points. Like they're a little bit all or nothing. Um, they're at number 61 in effective rush. Um, and I think some of that is like, they, they really struggle on the offensive line. I don't think that they've got the right talent developed there yet. And maybe the debt right depth. Um, and they're at number 44 in effective pass, which I think is a, is a reflection. Daniels has been he's been young. He's been good at times and bad at times and, you know, give it and taketh. But uh, I do think that they're they still have, you know, behind Washington State and USC, maybe the best set of wide receivers in the Pac-12. I'm just taking a look right now. Talanoa Hafunga is out indefinitely. Drake Jackson, um, the injury that he sustained last week, is out indefinitely. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Andrew Voorhees, who's on the offensive line, is out. Um, those are the big ones. I mean, obviously, Veve Malapai is out. Um, Brew McCoy is out. Uh, but, I mean, those are, those are some big names. It's not as bad as I had initially thought. So some of the players are, are, are back, particularly the, the linebacking core is there. Um, but still, that that's those are some major major players on that defensive line yeah. and, and throughout that defense that makes me a little bit nervous. So, by the way, Max um, had texted in. This is his pick. Uh, this is his best bet. He really likes ASU. Um, I'm gonna stay away, but I'm I'm still gonna take ASU. I, I think at home they're gonna take care of business. USC is reeling a little bit. I think there's some discontent with the coaching staff, um, and I can see a scenario where. Um, I, I just don't see a scenario where Slovis isn't going to throw 
um, a perfect game where he's not going to have a couple turnovers or, or at least a turnover. And I think that can make the difference here. I mean, but don't you, I mean, I feel like you could almost say the same thing about Daniels. <laughs> but he's been pretty good for the most part, right? Like, I, I, I want to go back and see how many turnovers he's thrown. I don't think it's a ton. Um, I don't think he's had a ton. I mean, but Slovis, I mean, other than the last game, you know, like Fink had that game with those three turnovers against the Huskies. Um, Slovis, I mean, it's uh, – I, I, I'm going to take USC here – I just I I don't think that there's like a lot of daylight between these teams. I think they're both reeling. Um, you know, ASU they put up some points in garbage time against UCLA, but they got smoked uh, for the most part in that game. Um, you know, and then sort of like came back after it didn't matter. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to take I, I I would not bet on this game at all. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to pick, I'll go USC. Yeah. And I should mention, so Max has done quite well. Um, uh, I'm, I wish he was on the podcast for this though, because like I, um, I, I do, I don't know. I've, I think I've been more high on Oregon and ASU than you guys have been this year. Um, yeah. just in regards to betting, betting on them. So, uh, and, and off of the bye week I think, you know, ASU is going to come out healthy and, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just think this is a fascinating game. And if you're an SC fan, um, I think you're probably rooting for SC to, to lose, right? Like I think everybody's going to be rooting for ASC in this game. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. Look, it has, the, has, the, I mean, the real question I think that could like turn this on its head is like, has the team quit on Helton? Um, if they come out and like respond and like, you know, this could be a game where USC wins by 10, you know, or more. If they have quit on Helton Ace, you could win by 10 or more easy. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely see that. And this is a big prove it game for ASU. So this is a vulnerable USC team that has some yeah. talent. And where does, uh, um, oh my gosh, Herm Edwards hasn't been on the television for like a week. So I almost forgot his name. Um, <laughs> but, but where does Herm Edwards have this program? Uh, is it another seven and five year for them where, um, where that, you know, that, that's what, <laughs> that was the, that was what Todd Graham did. Um, it does seem like this, programs heading in the right direction but uh the i I just think that the record isn't going to show it again this year and we'll see if that uh continues to to change in the coming year but let's move to friday at 7 30 on fox sports one oregon i'm sorry washington is a 10 point favorite on the road at oregon state we just talked rob about oregon state's offense i am fascinated how it matches up against this defense this to me feels a little high. I mean, so uh, on the road, like Washington comes in at 24, Oregon State comes in at 54. Um, Oregon or Washington is at a, like a little over seven, 7.26 favorite in the model. Um, you know, an 82% win probability. This is, this just like 10, I thought 10 points was a lot given from what we've seen from the, the Huskies defense, I think so far this season. Um, and I also really like this, uh, the Oregon state offensive line with, um, Halchek coaching it. Like, I think he does a really good job. He did a great job at Cal and I think he did a great job at Arizona. If you look on, if you look at the matchup here, it's the number five offensive beta ranking. It's the number 33 defense. Um, what Oregon state does I mean, they do a lot of things well, but what they do extremely well is drive efficiency. They're number three at that. Oregon State can absolutely put together long drives to put up points. Um, and that's something Washington struggled with. I mean, they, they've give up, they have given up some long drives. They're at number 58 at drive efficiency in this game. So I would say keep an eye on that because um, 
there, Washington's going to have to come up with some big plays to force uh, Oregon State off the field. I mean, Oregon State's fairly balanced. They're number 27 in effective rush, number 13 in effective pass. Washington's got a little bit of a bigger split. They they had a decent game stopping Utah running the football, and they got credit for that. So they're number 35 in effective rush right now, number 49 in effective pass. Um, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough game <laughs> for them uh, as far as like having to stop Pierce, Jefferson, Luton, Hodgins. I mean, I, I think Washington has the talent that maybe some other teams um, like Utah. I mean, Utah really shut down this Oregon state offense. They, they, Washington has enough talent to, to take Hodgins out of the equation um, and maybe really be able to come up and then, you know, stack the line, you know, stack the box and force, uh, Luton to go elsewhere that I think could really, you know, turn this game and Washington could win by more than, you know, a touchdown at that point. The one thing that Oregon State has going for it is they can pressure the quarterback. And one of the things, and I, I'm curious to see what their secondary is, is kind of the point that I'm getting to, because I think teams have shown if you put some pressure on Eason, he is not the composed quarterback that you see, you know, stepping up in the pocket and making the throw. Um, I think he can get rattled and Oregon State will likely try to do that. But how good is that secondary <laughs> for so, Oregon State? It's probably not great. Not good. Um, so Washington's like so Washington's offense comes in at 28. Oregon State's defense comes in at 124. They they did not have a great, great week last week. Um, even they, they did enough to get it done, but. Arizona put up some points against their number one, you know, most of their number one unit. Um, what Oregon State, their number 112 in effective rush, their number 122 in effective pass. Uh, I'm interested, I think, in this game because Pukunakua didn't play against Utah. I want to see if he's going to play in this game. Um, Washington should, you know, be able to get out there. They've got it. Number, they're number 56 in effective rush. They haven't really been great running the football this season, no. um, but they're number 23 in effective pass. And I think Eason could, is absolutely going to light up the secondary. Um, but this is, I think what's interesting in this game is does, it does Oregon state have the horsepower to, you know, stick with Washington, right? Um, cause the trouble with the, like, you just, even with the def- where where Oregon state gets you is their offense is so good. If you let them put up a couple points, you know, put some points up and you find yourself behind, then you're, you're going to be sitting back there throwing the ball and they just, they let Rashid pin his ears back and they just go after you. Um, and they're not great, but they slow you down enough um, that it's hard to keep up with their offense. Like, I don't think that that, like, I don't think that's necessarily the case that that's going to happen to Washington, but this, this Oregon state offense is good enough that, uh, Washington turns the ball over one or two times. Like this could, this could be an upset like that. That's the kind of like these teams shouldn't be that close in theory. Cause Washington, Oregon state's defense is so bad, but, um, you know, like a couple turnovers, uh, unexpectedly that, you know, take Washington points really off the board. Like that, that could be enough in this game for the Beavers. I could see Washington winning this game by like 30, um, I know. or I can Just see Oregon State winning. Them, right? Yeah. Like actually, that, but I, I don't think there's anything in between. Um, but that was what, like that, that I really went into that and the model went into that Oregon State Utah game, you know, and the Beavers offense was up about this high coming into that game and Utah, Utah was just a different animal <laughs> and they were able to take away Hodgins um, really well. 
And Oregon, they're, you know, and I think Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren are really smart offensive minds on the Beaver staff. Like they, just, they, they, I don't think they had any more cards in their deck that they could play. Um, Washington's got enough talent to do that. I think that's going to be interesting, but I don't think Washington is great. Great. I mean, even with as much as they did against Utah, they're like Utah went to Huntley um, quite a bit in that game. Um, I, I do think that. I think Oregon State's going to be able to run the ball in this game, and that that could be a difference maker for opening things up. Yeah, I think ten is a lot, but I'm still going to take Washington. I ju- I just I think Oregon State's a good story. I think they have yeah. an excellent offense. Their defense is still not there, and even if they can pressure Eason a decent amount, like I actually like the the offensive line at Washington. I liked the the way that they were able to handle Utah for three quarters, which most teams can't do in the first quarter. Um, right. I, I don't know. I just think the talent's there. I, I trust this coaching staff. Like they've had some tough losses, like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, to some good teams. But at the end of the day, I just think they have more talent. They have the better coaching staff, and I don't think they're going to get rattled in. in in uh, Corvallis, unless, like you mentioned, unless, uh, you know, if Oregon State comes out and it's 10 nothing or 14 nothing, um, I mean, obviously they're, they're in trouble, but like if Oregon State gets off to a fast start, then, then I think it could be problems. But um, I just yeah. don't think that's happened. I'll, I'll take Washington. I'm going to, I'm going to take the Beavs here. Like I just, you know, like I, I think that they're, I don't know. I mean, it is tough. Like, if there's one thing that I think in the model here that is it gives me pause is like teams with huge splits like this are scary, right? Like, because if the offense has any kind of a slow night, like that's all they got. Like, there's no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got nothing else. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like Oregon State, like they were bad last week when they came in. This defense is bad last week, and they when they came in last, you know, saying like, oh, they were giving up over three points per drive, just barely. Like they went up a whole tenth of a point just against Arizona. Like they're they're at three point one three points per drive, just straight up raw metric giving up. Um, like I, I, you know, like I think that Washington's going to put up a lot of points. I. Yeah, I'm going to take, you're right. Like I would take Washington. Like I, I, I think they've got enough talent to, to slow the Oregon state passing game down. Um, and if Luton, who's been really good, if he does turn over the ball at all, like I think that sort of could cause problems, but oh, absolutely. He's been pretty good at not doing that. So, um, but it'll, it'll be fun to see what the, the defensive coaching staff schemes, uh, to try to confuse him because I really do like the coaching staff at Washington. I think they'll be able to put together a good game plan. Um, the other thing to keep in mind though, is Oregon state. Oh no, Oregon state is not off of bye. I was going to say, I thought maybe they had some extra time to prepare, but they do not. By the way, that's a Friday game. Um, Friday at seven. Ooh, Short rest on the road. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and those games don't end up too well. Ah, damn, I forgot about that. Ah, I'm gonna, I'm and gonna do. Coming, and they're coming off like banging heads with that Utah team. Like, oh, I got to think about this. Like, I might change my mind like five or six times. <laughs> this game. Yeah, for whatever reason, those Friday games really don't go well for the uh, favorites. But I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'll take Washington. Um, I will likely not bet this game because it's a Friday game. I, um, I just looked at my, my uh, little slip here and forgot about that. So. All right. Hey, we got two more games that are actually both really fascinating, and we'll get to them right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Two more here. 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Wazoo coming back from its bye is a seven and a half point favorite on the road at Cal. Cal, 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 Cal. Cal. <laughs> just, what do you I, I don't know, man. Like, it, I, I just, uh, they can't score. Like, I think, I think this might be the bet of the the week, right? Like, I yes, I realize Cal has a good defense. They have had a, a week to rest, but so is Washington State. Um, how on earth are they going to stop a pretty prolific? You know, again, this isn't the Gardner Minshew offense that we saw last year, but still, uh, I think Gordon is a solid quarterback. They can run the ball with Max Borgie, and I think they're I think they're going to score. And Cal's, I just don't see them having an answer. But seven and a half, Rob. It seems like the Vegas is just dangling that line for you. It's it's a, uh, it's a Washington State in in beta rank coming into this game on the road is actually. After you take in the home field advantage, they're almost a nine-point favorite, eight point nine two. That said, there's there are some things that give me pause with that. Um, so the thing that most gives me pause is, I mean, Washington State is an offense first team. Um, they're number seven in beta rank and offense. This is a very different offense than last season, where they were high on drive efficiency and a little bit lower on explosive drives. Like this is a big play offense. Um, they're, they're number three in explosive drives. This offensive line has been really solid. They give Gordon time to hang in the pocket and look for deep throws. Um, Cal, they're number 20 on defense. They're number 16 at defending explosive drives. Um, Cal, the bears stink at defending the run. They're number 77. And I really wish I would have paid more attention. And I, I think I sort of, I, we knew this. They're actually, they don't have a starting defensive tackle. Like they're playing an end inside. Uh, and it really shows like they're, 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 their run defense is terrible. However, they're number five in effective pass. Like they still might be the best secondary in the country. Washington mm-hmm. state of course is, is number one in effective pass on offense. Um, but they're number 128 in effective rush. Now, a lot of those passes to Borgie are, you know, basically they count, run plays. Like yeah. they're basically Washington State running plays. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, like that. That's what sort of gives me pause. A little bit of pause in this game. Um, Mike Leach has an uncharacteristically good special teams uh, unit this year. They're number 14, so they really help out. <laughs> Except for the UCLA game. <laughs> oh, that, that game was bad. Um, Yes, everything. I mean, they did every everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them there, but they really helped out in, in giving the offense some some even better and their defense some better field position, uh, particularly which helps their defense because their defense is not good. They're at number eighty seven in beta rank. They're where they re- they really struggle like 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 USC is is negative drives. Like they just don't force enough three and outs. They don't get off the field um, and and set up their offense like with good field position. Cal, however, also struggles. They, they they create a lot of three and outs. Cal is number 117 at negative drives. Like they're really bad at just just doing something simple like moving the sticks. They're also 113 in explosive drives. Cal's 79 in effective rush. So if they do something well-ish, it's run the football. But that sort of plays into Washington State's strength. They're number 65 in effective rush, 104 in effective pass. So um I don't know. I mean, this is this is 
it's a it's a, it's a close line to where beta rank has it it's it just it feels like a tough game to call but i do feel like gordon is a, is a good quarterback and if he has enough time back there and i think he probably will like he can pick you apart so chase garbers is still listed as out ind- indefinitely um i think the only way that i'm not yeah. taking this game is if for he miraculously shows up i just and, and I, I think the other thing too is with washington state having a week off to figure out its offense even more or its defense um even more. Look, this isn't a great defense. I understand that. Obviously, their uh, defensive coordinator left the program in the middle of the season. It's like, I um, give up. I can't take any of the, I can't take this kooky pirate. And- <laughs> he keeps, keeps, keeps telling me to drink this grog. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but I, I really do think that he, uh, I don't know. They just have enough prep time, I think, to put together a game plan. I, um, I think Wazoo is always good for one stupid loss, and they've already gotten that out of the way. I, I, I think they just stomp on Cal. I think they beat this team by 30 points. Um, and that seems bizarre because Cal's defense is pretty good. Um, but I, I just don't see a scenario where Cal's going to be able to score more than like what? 17 max. Like if they get, if they get above 17 points in this game, like what odds would you give me? Like two to one? Three to one? I mean, yeah. Well, what's, I mean, what do you even have to game plan for with Cal's offense at this point? I mean, I, I had tweeted out some sort of big picture thoughts about where the conference was because I, mean, I get it. Like if if you're a fan, you're sort of often like surfing the wave of the moment, right? Like, oh, we just lost this game, you know, or oh, we just won this game. But I, I'm really I, I and we had, we both liked the hire at the beginning, but I, I, Cal's offensive coordinator Baldwin just I, I think he has to go um, after this. Like it's it's fine. There's a lot of quarter. There's a lot of teams that are down to their second string quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> in the league um and across college football and they've managed to field decent offenses like i just i don't think there's i don't think that you see any answers but i also think that maybe that eastern washington offense that everybody really liked was overrated because troy T- taylor wasn't that great at utah and andy ludwig has been fantastic with that offense so um i don't know i i'm, I'm take i would take washington state at this game i just i have no faith that cal can do anything. I mean, Max, I mean, I would, I also wouldn't be shocked to see Mike Leach run the football a little in this game. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like he's not stupid. Um, yeah. I think Borgie gets what like, I mean, and run the ball for Cal is, or at Washington state is eight touches, <laughs> but I think he right. gets that in this game. And, and I think he'll get, you know, seven yards of carry or whatever, whatever he's averaging. Cause it's like something ridiculous. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move to the last one noon on the PAC 12 network. Here's another just confounding line. Stanford is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Colorado, a reeling Colorado, a terrible defensively coached Colorado or not coach. Probably I, 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 I'm going to chalk this up to personnel at this point but uh, a colorado that doesn't have a great defense a stanford team that has uh costello back uh throwing throwing the ball around um yeah. but uh, these lines the like i might actually take colorado in this game uh no i'm not uh, i'm gonna take stanford well i mean normally when you see a line like this um, and I've said this a couple times like you almost want to go the opposite way but I seem to think that this year um, right they, they hung that line for Utah they hung that line for uh, for Oregon against Washington um, I just think Stanford's the better team uh, but I'm curious Rob about their secondary against again um, like if Montez plays better at home like he normally does what type of secondary is he playing against here 
So this line is interesting to me because it's almost dead on where beta rank has it. So beta rank has it uh, at, at pi, actually, 3.14 for Stanford on the road. Nice. Um, uh, Stanford comes in at 68. Colorado comes in at 90. Uh, this, is a, this is interesting because Stanford's defense hasn't been great this season. They're at number 65. Um, they What they do well is they they – they are good at not giving up long drives. So they're number 20 at drive efficiency, but 80 in big plays, um, you know, 84 in negative drives. They do tend to give up some yards. Uh, you know, they're, they struggle there. They're number 60 in effective rush. Their, their pass defense has gotten better of late. So they're at number 71 now, and that's up from where they were. Uh, Colorado's offense has just, they're conf- I mean, they're truly, truly a confounding unit <laughs> because they've had some great games. Yeah, oh I yeah, mean, they really have. And, we, and, and we've been also- we've been Montez fans like for the last three years, but he just has some terrible, terrible games. I mean, this year in particular, though, it is riding a roller coaster with this offense because uh, I mean, I really thought that Washington State game would be a shootout, and they were bad, 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 bad against a bad 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 defense and then they were good against usc and then they were bad i mean like it's just uh i don't know i don't know quite quite what to make of this colorado offense they're number 75 they're pretty good at drive efficiency they're number 32 there they stink at putting up big plays which seems bizarre given the talent they have but they're number 103 in explosive drives 85 running the ball 52 throwing the ball it I don't know. I mean, you, you do kind of feel like with Stanford um, and Arizona showed, I mean, you could put up points on the Stanford defense. Um, you do not have to be, you know, a world, a world beating offense to put up points against Stanford. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know that I try. Do you trust Steven Montez at this point? That's what I sort of struggle with. I think he has a decent game. Yeah, uh, I just think that Stanford is going to put up points, and I don't trust Colorado's defense to stop them. Um, I know this uh, is like crazy town because like we had we had talked about how crappy um, Stanford's offense was in the beginning, uh, but KJ Costello is good, and um, and and Colorado's defense is bad. So I think this is similar to the Arizona game where um, Costello looked like Tom Brady out there because <laughs> Arizona's defense is so bad that he was able to yeah. throw the ball around. I think that happens in this game. Um, I'm curious to see what the over is because I think both teams are going to be able to score on each other. I think Montez will come back and have a good game. He normally plays better um, in, in Colorado, so I can see him scoring points. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I'm looking at all my picks. I'm taking all favorites. I think that's the first time I've done that this year. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that means anything. Take it for what it is. But um, I'm I'm going to take the bait. I'm going to take Stanford. I, I just – I've taken Colorado – way too much this year and i think i won the first two and then <laughs> didn't learn my lesson for the next eight weeks uh so i'm going to stop that trend and <laughs> go for the the cardinal yeah well i mean like here's the well, here's the kicker here is that uh, the reason i would say you should feel confident taking stanford is is beta rank doesn't have kj costello baked in like beta rank has stanford's offense at 85 that's that's not right with KJ Costello in there. Like, but I don't have enough data to really catch up with it at this point. And the model has this basically cooked in as, as, as the same as Vegas. So I, I expect with Costello against this number 98 ranked, 
you know, Colorado defense. They're number 51 against the run. That's that's fine. Stanford doesn't often try to run the ball that much at you any, anymore. <laughs> um, but Colorado's number 120 against the pass. And Costello, if you don't, I mean, and this is true, uh, as our friend Hippolyte has pointed out, if you don't move him, if you move him off his spot, you can make him make mistakes. If you don't move him off his spot, he will carve you up. Uh, and I don't think Colorado is going to be able to move him off his spot. I, I like Stanford. I think Stanford probably wins by 10. A uh, couple things to mention. So Alex Fontenot had a concussion and is questionable. Um, which is why you saw more of Jared Mangum in that game as the running back. Um, Mustafa Johnson is back. So when you're talking about pressuring uh, KJ Costello, he's going to be the primary guy that's going to get there. The one thing that I don't see on the injury report that that is worth mentioning is LaVisca Chenault seems like he's banged up. And I like I get like a few weeks ago, maybe it was about four or five weeks ago. We had talked about who would you rather have? Um, Somebody, you know, like a USC wide receiver, like Tyler Vons or Chenault. And I said Vons because Vons has the size in college football and, and, and he's a really good wide receiver. I stick to that. I, I like Chenault a lot, but, um, and maybe Chenault in the USC offense is a different player, likely. Um, but I, I mean, the production is, is pretty good in spots and he's going to have to have a hell of a game. And I think he's nicked up and I just, I just don't see a scenario where, um, unless that happens, they're able to really move the ball a ton. As good as those other wide receivers are. Um, and, and that puts a lot of pressure on, <laughs> on just a really unpredictable quarterback in Montez. So, um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it, it feels like a redux of last year for Colorado. Like Colorado came into last season with a new offensive coordinator. They did some things that people weren't expecting. Chenault really broke out and, you know, they went on a, a, a nice early season run and the offense looked good. And teams then everybody caught up to him. Out. Yeah, teams started figuring him out. They've got enough tape on Colorado. They make adjustments. Colorado gets has some injuries also, doesn't make adjustments, and everybody figures out Colorado, and they have a miserable end of the season. Yeah. Well, I hope not. I like that team. And I, the Colorado fans were so excited at the beginning of the I year, know. and I was too. It's like, like, oh, all right, all For right. Two years in a row. Like, yes, like, this is this, this is our year. Smoke if you got them. And mm. just, oof. Yeah. Anything else we should cover before we sign off? I don't, I think we, I mean, we're not covering basketball yet. So sorry, folks. Like if your team is, if your team is playing Chico state, we don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> the, the one thing that I, I should announce is our friends at the free ball podcast. So talking about, uh, Colorado, um, they do this thing where they bet the futures on a lot of teams that are borderline, um, borderline making the tournament so you can take a team like miami or something that and you get them at like 90 to 1 to win the the national title um but what you do is you hedge against that ticket as the tournament happens so you're kind of betting more on whether or not they make the tournament and i and i do this too and i was i was really excited because they started posting all of their bets on that stuff i'm like oh i do that also so we're gonna at some point i'm gonna record a podcast with them about that because it's an excellent strategy um it has made us money every every year in the tournament um which although sometimes like all I stick like I bought 
Oregon at 18 to one to win the national title. And then uh bowl bowl gets hurt and then they sucked forever. And then they were 60 to one. And I was like, ah, I should have bought the ticket then because <laughs> I still had that yeah. 18 to one ticket. I was able to hedge out against that anyway and make some money. But um, at the end of the day, there's uh, it, it's just a really good strategy. So keep a lookout for that. We're, we're going to do some college basketball stuff. Max knows college basketball. Um, he watches the pac 12. I I'm a big college basketball fan. I, I watch the pac 12 and I only gamble on pac 12 games in the tournament. That's it. Um, and we've done a pretty good job on that front as well um by the way max went two and two i went two and two um so he's still three games up on me and i'm like 59 percent <laughs> against the spread this year it's amazing <laughs> the year he's having he's like and basically in any other podcast like i'm probably in first place <laughs> and he's yeah. just killing it right now so uh congrats to him he's uh so i'm hoping to get him this this week we'll we'll make sure to to send out his picks uh sometime later this week you can follow us at 12 pack radio and where can people find you rob I'm at Beta Rank FB and Sharp College Football. And actually, we've been tracking this, and you've been you've been particular tracking this. If Beta Rank has a different team than Vegas, like keep an eye on it. Yeah, went game. went four and one and straight up underdogs winning outright um, last week too. I think I think it's like seventy percent right now. It's like for, now whether that holds or and, but the sample size is like five weeks, so it's not like this is just a couple weeks. So. Um, Anyway, just just something to. Now, this to is keep something in. I keep an eye on. I haven't like tracked like I'm. I, I have mostly tracked just overall against the spread, sort of like as a gauge of model accuracy. But I do keep an eye on on those games. But we've been cl- tracking them even closer this this season. And and also as the mo- as the as we get more data in the model, uh, I have more confidence in those games and uh, where there's there, and there are fewer of them, but big distance between the model and and Vegas. Yeah, and last week uh, the model was pretty close to Vegas on a lot of the lines too, which I think is a yeah. uh, a good indication of the model in general. Like two weeks ago, I was like, "Oh my gosh, these are like seventy percent of these spreads." Are it was a weird. A two weeks ago was a weird. Like that was a that was an outlier. But um, I would also, I mean, if you're checking out early lines, like I would check out Circa, like because I I look at a lot of lines <laughs> as part of part of what I do, uh, and they have. They usually, like they there are some ones that where like they're like me like where there's a miss or two but like they actually have some really like Circa has some really good lines yeah whoever's doing their book and in fact I I think Max knows one of the guys over there so it'd be interesting to talk with them well maybe uh, maybe don't bet Circa because they do seem to have good lines like oh, maybe yeah. stay away like, <laughs> <It's> they, <laughs> I, I should maybe I should take that back like look where Circa is and look for the biggest distance you can find from that like, yeah bet bet with their sponsor my bookie while you're at it you know get that yeah. uh, use that promo code over time. <laughs> Uh, all right, Rob, well, let's leave it there. Thanks for coming on. And uh, Max will be back next week and we'll be back to our regular recording schedule. I was just on the road um, on Sunday and Monday. So uh, we're recording this Monday night. Sorry about the delay, but uh, we will catch you next week.